Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real View Podcast. It's me, your host, Blaine Ward. I'm back again. I'm, I'm, I'm still here, which is good. Uh, here with me today, returning guest, uh, Brent. How's it going, man? Doing well, Blaine. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you back. Um, now, so I know some of you are wondering, and if you didn't get to the end of last episode, then I guess I don't blame you. It's kind of a long one. But this is not another Halloween retrospective. Uh, we will, we're taking a pause on that and doing it next week, so that way we can talk about Halloween kills. Um, unless, Brent, you know, you'd like to uh, completely guess as to where Halloween kills goes. Uh, you know, that'd be fun. Uh, are we just going to talk about, like, maybe a James Bond Halloween spinoff hey i mean i'd be down that'd be great james bond fighting michael myers i'd pay to watch that to be honest a serial killer like if his if his villain was this that would be nuts yeah have we ever had a james bond serial not really i mean they're mostly like megalomaniacs oh that'd be awesome yeah Yeah, so today we are talking uh bond james bond uh more specifically craig daniel craig um no time to die just came out this past weekend this is his last um uh, journey as James Bond. This is his send-off, uh, his finale. Now, Brent, uh, what were your original thoughts when Daniel Craig was cast as James Bond? Did you have a reaction to it? Did you feel confident? I mean, uh, I was pretty young, and I wasn't, uh, in terms of my depth of being a cinephile, uh, I would say it's like it was like, like neutral. Uh, but when <clears throat> I had a good knowing of Daniel Craig because of uh, his film prior to that, which was Layer Cake, which really helped him land the role. Uh, And I didn't, uh, that was one of the only things I kind of knew him in. uh, And I'm sure a lot of people didn't even see that. And so when you're being cast as such a titular character as James Bond, like, I mean, it's going to be, you're going to get heads uh, swirling on who you are, but I mean, he checked all the boxes. I mean, the guy was handsome. Uh, he had those blue eyes. He was oh, yeah. fit and he, he definitely came off as, you know, that with, with in terms of the ego and, and the cockiness of, of what we've got James Bond's prior, he, he fit the mold for sure. And we just had to see um, him say those, those famous lines over, over and over again. And it would work into our hearts for five more, four more films, five total. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really funny. Uh, this has been uh you know, this has happened before, it'll probably happen again, but this is another case of, and I don't remember when he was cast, I was way too young, but, um, like, apparently there was an outrage when he was cast, because people were like, oh, James Bond's not blonde-haired, like, who's this guy? But then, of course, they see the movie, and they're proven wrong, just like Keith Ledger with Dark Knight, or some with Pattinson and the new Batman, but, like, you know, sometimes you just gotta watch the movie, and they might surprise yeah. you. Um, yeah, he did. I, I would say, I don't want to cut quick into it, but in terms of Casino Royale, the only thing that really surprised me on who they brought in to work with it was the screenwriter Paul Haggis. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you remember who he was, but he uh, he did directed that Best Picture winner that we don't talk about anymore. Oh, did he do Crash? Yes. Oh no. When I during my rewatch, I saw that and I just like I threw my hands up. I was like, this I can't be I can't be seen liking Casino Royale. Oh boy. Oh gosh. <laughs> Um, so real quick, before we jump into Casino Royale, um, I know you, uh, took the, took upon yourself the, uh, very, uh, daunting task of watching all, uh, 25 at this point, James Bond films. Now, would you say from where we are at right now that Craig was the best Bond over Connery? 
Uh, I personally, I would. Yes. And I, I mean, I think it's uh, at the point where you're in a cliche of just saying that because that's who we grew up with. Right. But I mean, after watching all of the ones prior with uh, I mean, we quickly cut through with it. But I mean, Sean Connery, uh, he definitely brought Bond from, you know, to screen or from book to screen and did that very well. And I think at that time, no one else could have done it. And you then see Roger Moore, who, I, I mean, I wasn't a fan. I don't think it was on his part. It was more so just the films he was taking over in terms of like the villain's objective and and some of the character decisions that Bond makes in that one. Um, and then you go into uh, with, um, blank oh. on his name. No, you had the guy uh, from... On Her Majesty. Oh, Lazenby. Yeah, George Lazenby. Yeah. That one was, I didn't watch that one in the order. I waited till uh, I was finished with Connery because I know he came back to do one more. So then I got to that one and yeah. I, I thought it, I enjoyed it for sure. Um, it obviously plays um, well being just a singular Bond film. I think that's where its strength comes from. Um, Timothy Dalton, uh, you know, I think if you were to keep the franchise alive today, that's like, I mean, I don't want to say it today because there's just so many cast members out there, but he, he seems like a poor man, Tom Hardy, you know, mm, mm, like mm. you can quickly pump it in there. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> have, they're, they're mediocre. And I will say like, in terms of the, uh, the, the caveat in terms with uh, James Bond being such this uh, sexual icon, uh, yeah. It hasn't aged that good, mm. uh, especially like in Pierce Bronson films. I've, um, and then all the way going back to Sean Connery, I noticed one thing that was pretty interesting was like they all really end where they're with the Bond girl. Yeah, they're basically you know given the the end of window that they're about to have sex. Right. But yet with Daniel Craig's Bonds, they don't really end on that note. Like they they do a really well job at like. That ending the film and giving you, I guess you could say, just the proper conclusion. Because, I mean, we've heard it before. You know, some of those James Bond movies don't age well. But right. uh, on my rewatch, that was just one thing that I, uh, I, 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 Sean Connery's great. You know, at the time, I, I think for us, and I mean, just me generally, I Daniel Craig just really took that to another level. Because I mean, they're prestige James Bond films, and I, I don't want to put. Um, the fact that our technology at that time just wasn't as advanced, but I mean, Daniel Craig, he, he did something for sure. Absolutely. Um, from what I remember, and I haven't seen the older Bond films in a while and I don't want to watch all 24 of them. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's I, I, I will, I, like at some point I'll, I'll round out the ones I haven't seen, but uh, I've seen most of all the Connery's and Connery's iconic. Like, you know, he's, he was fun. Um, He's very good, uh, you know, like you were saying, uh, some of the stuff he does does not hold up uh, under a lens uh, at all. But um, I, for what he is, he does a great job. Um, Roger Moore, I think some of his movies are fine, um, but I feel like he was a little too silly for me to take seriously. Um, and that's all well and good. You know, you can have a silly spy movie, but it wasn't really my thing. Uh, and then uh, Lazenby... Uh, we'll get to this later. I really like Honor Majesty's uh, Secret Service. Lazenby's not great, um, but 
it, and he almost doesn't matter to that movie that much. Um, I kind of like everything around that movie uh, and just not like me. So I haven't seen any of the Timothy Dalton movies, so I need to uh, round those out. And then the only Pierce Brosnan movie I've seen was Goldeneye because I heard they get progressively worse as they go along. And that kind of scared me off from it. I want to say they got worse. Uh, I noticed like during my rewatch, um, I would say he did. Um, oh, shoot. Tomorrow's not enough. The world's world not, is not enough. Yeah. He does uh, really interesting work when he plays James Bond. Uh, certainly with Goldeneye, that was just a big film. And I think it grew even more traction because of the video game. Right. Uh, and he definitely makes uh, some other ones that are just a little, little weird, cliche, cheesy. But I will say when I, I rewatched it, Tomorrow Never Dies. I thought that one because the villain was a media model who controlled basically tomorrow's headline, but knew about it before anything. And he wanted to create World War Three practically. Uh, and I, I thought in today's climate with the way media runs things that, I mean, that's powerful. That really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's for him, it's Goldeneye and yeah, it gets pretty down. I mean, he Bronson probably does hold worse bond film. Maybe uh, die another day is not, uh, not it was a tough beat. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's a reason why uh, Pierce Bronson wasn't in Casino Royale. That's true. Um, so let's just jump right into it. Casino Royale, this came out in 06. This is directed by Martin Campbell, who also helmed Goldeneye. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, props on him for kind of reinventing Bond twice successfully. Um, never heard that happen for anyone so good for him uh this one daniel craig eva green Mads mickelson judy dench jeffrey wright uh, a bunch of other people um now i'm gonna get this out of the way i think this is my favorite bond film i love this movie so much um and not only because of like i not only does i think it hits all the bond um all the Bond beats that you needed to, like, a regular spy movie to hit. But I think there's, like, a layer of tragedy that this movie has that really, I don't know, it resonates with me. I like the fact that it, the movie's, like, kind of punishing Bond for being, like, this emotionless machine by the fact that they give him someone to care about, and then by the end, they completely rip that away from him. And I, I find that's just a really cool arc for him to make. To It's an origin story, but it really kind of recontextualizes his character in a tragic way. And I, I that's my favorite thing about it. It, it certainly gives us a bond that makes us uh, know that he's human. Like yeah. in terms of the, like you said, the the loving and the, tr the trust and all that gets breaked. And then we have this tragedy within like the last 10, 15 minutes. You're like, am I supposed to feel this towards James Bond? Like it really changed the way we are going to see this character going forward. Right. Because Bond beforehand, and there might be examples, you know, and there's a few examples otherwise, but like Bond has never really been one to, emote like he's not he's known as the suave sexy spy who can handle everything and i think these daniel craig films were like really crucial in like kind of grounding him and i i, I appreciate that they i would say with uh with what this one does is it brings um it kind of introduces you to this new like action sequences that we we're gonna get that didn't really involve much green screen like they were yeah. i mean it was really shot and so i think um, we know that that put a toll on Daniel Craig, the order he got, but he, uh, this one definitely just brought us into, um, in terms of high stakes, uh, like you are with, with 
poker that there are just um, moments in this film that work very well. I, I certainly do like it. It's in my top. Uh, we can reveal all that for myself, but it, um, I, I think in terms of, like you said, origin story, introducing uh, the bond, I don't think we're going to come close to something like this again. No. Uh, and also just the story does very well, um, especially with what we're led to believe as the villain with Mads. And then we get something entirely different. I, I thought that was pretty genius. Yeah, I think the other thing that's crucial about this is that these were coming out in a post-Jason Bourne um, kind of world because all these beforehand were kind of silly spy, even like GoldenEye, which is a good like action movie. It still has its like silly moments. And then mm-hmm. Jason Bourne kind of came in and kind of, like I was saying, kind of grounded the spy game. And so there's kind of a question of, all right, is James Bond outdated? Like, what do we do with this? And I think Casino Royale, kind of took the Batman Begins approach where it's like, all right, we're going to make, we're going to make this an origin story. We're going to make it gritty. Like we're kind of going to make this like a bond for the modern ages. And I think they did a really good job with that. Like you were saying, the action sequences of this are nuts. Um, There's not a lot of them. Like there's only really three big action set pieces in the whole movie. There's that opening chase, uh, the opening parkour chase, which is just wild. Like what a way to like start your movie. Um, I, I, I just sat down and like you just set the popcorn down because of the trailers and now you're going to go back to it because this is just adrenaline. Yeah, because you're like, all right, you know, it's got a cool like black and white opening sequence that kind of establishes uh, Bond's double status. Really cool. Um, what are your thoughts on the song? Do you like the Chris Cornell song? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not terrible. Um, and ter- I, I think when you're talking about the songs that open in Daniel Craig's Bond films, um, there's just basically tier one and then you have tier two with the other ones. And I, I just, I think when I was watching it, uh, rewatching on this watch, the Chris Cornell, just like uh, the name popped into me a lot sooner and more understanding, but it's, it's a good song. uh, But I mean, it's just not my favorite. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but anyways, like I was saying, like the fact that there's only like, you know, we have the opening parkour chase, we've got the, uh, airport kind of, you know, there's a bomb about to go off. He's got to stop it. And then basically like the, the finale in, uh, Venice, um, you know, like that's pretty much the only big three like action set pieces we have. The rest of it's like, you know, a poker game and, you know, uh, you get that and you get a fight down the stairwell. Um, right exactly yeah it definitely in terms of, of scale yeah and, and i think i don't i know bond always gets a budget but i think they did a pretty well job at uh spending what they were wanting because i mean bond films travel they yeah. definitely they get that shot and location part right and and i think that this one does a really well job but um we're also we're, we are leaving out one one scene i don't know if we're going to get to it uh now but uh-huh. the nutsack torture scene i feel oh yeah let's talk about the nutsack torture Um, uh is this the most uh brutal pg-13 torture scene in a movie Uh, it's 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 pretty well done and especially i think if you haven't been won over by daniel craig before that when he asked him to scratch it because he has an itch he wants him a little bit more to the left yeah i I mean that's hilarious oh yeah yeah, it's a perfect moment of like dark comedy where you're like, you're, yeah. you're, you know, all guys ever watching that movie just start like slowly crossing their legs uh, when that scene comes up. Um, 
if my dad's listening, I'm sorry you can never get through that scene, but uh, you know, it's all good. And this seems um, it's important too because you're believing that uh, Vesper is about to be killed, right? And, and like, is Daniel Craig like, are we just going to get a one-off here? And then Mr. White comes in and and shoots Mads, and you're just like, wait, what is really going on? Here? What just happened? Yeah, yeah. it's a very like, yeah, because you're like, wait, I thought Mads was the bad guy. What's going on here? Um, yeah, so let's talk about Mads real quick. Um. We can talk I, about the rest of the podcast. I mean, yeah, let's just let's make this a Mads pod. Sorry, Vaughn. Um, so I okay. I really I think Mads is awesome in this movie. Now I think there's a little bit of a I don't think people remember him as much only because he's not like the main bad by the end of it. There's a, you know the uh, reveal that happens later in the movie that um, you know kind of sidelines him, uh, like we were saying, but. I think he's very memorable. And I think the reason is, is like, he's never this, he's not, he's never a megalomaniac. Like he is, he's kind of just a gangster who owes more dangerous people money. And he's very like desperate. And I don't think we've had that kind of villain. Um, We haven't had that kind of villain in a Bond movie before. And I think it's kind of a unique outlook um, to put on him. And he's got, you know, he's got the typical Bond, like, deformity for a bad guy. Like, you you know, he cries blood, which is like the sickest shit I've ever seen. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's kind of a realism with him and he's not over the top, which is nice, you know. He definitely plays, I, I want to say with where we're at now, like when a film is casting for Bond, like it's Bond and then it's the Bond villain. Right. And they have definitely have gotten some prestige actors in the last couple. And I think it not a discredit to him, but like at that time, they're not thinking like, well, the Bond villain is going to be big. I mean, they knew that they basically just had a, pawn on the chessboard but he was really neat at how he was moving and especially um that poker scene i mean it works with bomb but like you have to have him at the other side of the table or that scene doesn't really hold that much tension right yeah because a lot of a lot of bond and uh mads don't like there's not a ton of interaction between them the biggest interaction we get is the torture scene instead the entire movie is just them like just glaring at each other trying to like you know bluff or uh you know make their way through the game um now i i want to bring up the poker thing real quick uh this is completely ridiculous like it 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 is nonsensical uh what goes on in this poker game Uh, right and the plan to get mads is also just so stupid like (laughs) hey mads needs money so we're gonna stake him out on a poker game and beat him and use like our money to you know get his like no no way that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard one thing that I it, that I noticed more on this rewatch is just like as the the I guess the tournament as it's going on, it doesn't seem like you're losing that many people right away. Like a lot of people were still within the game when it came to an end, uh, and I'm just like, shouldn't it come down to like three people by now? But there's still like <laughs> six at the table. I'm like, are, are there like five guys there in the end? It's yeah. like, what's going on? It's, I, like, I it's like only uh, only Jeffrey Wright got out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's. It definitely provides the tension that's necessary for the storyline. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, I'm no poker expert, but I mean, I I know a winning hand when I see it, and I'm and it's just like, it is what f- about forty minutes of the film, maybe definitely thirty for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like it's the entire second act of the movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing too, the way that a game ends is just illogical. Like I, 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 I I've done. Uh, I I did a 
like a test run of that with my dad where I showed him like the uh you know the the hand and, yeah. and the cards and we just looked at the eyes and they're like all right no way like I'm sorry but no um, I mean that, that there's I, I don't even know that's uh, another wormhole to get yourself into with uh with cards <laughs> right um but I mean even still it's very thrilling uh you know and especially because it's not just like 40 minutes of a poker game straight like there's still other conflicts that are going on in between the rounds you know um there's that stairwell fight where the gangsters come after mads and they start to uh, cut his lady's arm off which is a stairway fight there's that poison scene which is still like really intense to this day for me um, it's, yeah it's on i mean when it happens you're just like well, well what's going on here and then that little uh defibrillator is inside the glove box i mean that's really neat yeah uh, not most cars come with that so it, yeah it and handy we're into we're into south you gotta get a car with a uh, defibrillator in the uh, in the in the passenger seat it would be helpful um now i think we've we, we've been leaving out uh, a crucial part of this story and i think it's uh fitting that we get to her now um the first bond girl for craig i mean i know we have the uh you know the gangster's wife uh in the first act of the movie but the main bond girl in the movie is uh vesper lind played by uh eva green um star making performance from her in this uh she's incredible um i i i was, I was telling you earlier i'm like even green like where'd she go i know she did 300 i know she did uh the sin to city like sin city sequel but like is she just doing penny dreadful is that her lane right now i i feel like she might have just gotten in that period where she was typecast because oh. uh, she definitely i remember she was in dark shadows oh right yeah, um, yeah. and then the the children's book that was made into a, a movie uh right. she, she did that one um oh the peregrines home yes. for, yeah yeah um I, I i just i think maybe uh she definitely got into that tv show you're saying i mean talk about basically you know cloud nine level where you could get almost you're at a peak where you can get anything you know she wants and she just she chose other projects and maybe she just didn't want that but she was she's really good in this She's a big strength to Daniel Craig's Bond um, because it allows us to see that um, that emotional side that we haven't really gotten before. Uh, he gives his trust to her, which is something we're not used to seeing at all. Yeah, um, there's that there's that scene after the stairway um, yeah. fight in the shower uh, where you think it would like because you've seen Bond movies before, you're like, oh, they're going to have sex. But it does not go that way at all. Like Bond just kind of wraps his arm around her and just comforts her. And it's a really like touching scene. And, it's, you know, yeah, and they're both in their they're in their clothes and they're just getting, you know, drenched in the shower. But they didn't care because like she's freaking out you know being in the field and he's consoling her it's it's done very neatly i will yeah. say yeah like you said that could have just happened in a bedroom and you know what's going to happen there but right it does a pretty well job at, at um giving us that uh that romance but we not not having to see the romance that we're used to with on yeah now let's get to the ending um the you know man's shot by white uh, ripped to him and the movie has like still you know I, if you're watching this for the first time you might be checking the runtime you're like wait a minute there's 20 minutes left what's going on here yeah. um because it just turns into like this nice little like romance movie you know he gets the money they head off together to venice it's really nice and then all of a sudden you realize uh-oh like vesper was kind of behind um yeah, a lot of yeah mm-hmm. um which is just a brutal revelation um 
you know, like I was saying, like the whole time Bond is being, has his layers kind of broken down and stripped down. And then all of a sudden, like the woman he loves betrayed him. Um, and even still, she still cares for him too. That's the, that's the kicker there because throughout that whole finale, um, you know, like he's still trying to rescue her. Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah, it's a really, it's a really tough sequence uh, for me to get through at least just because of the inevitability of the whole thing. Um, and also just drowning is just like a really uncomfortable way to go for me. Um, it, I mean, honestly, like watching that, it, it kind of looks like she drowned. Like they do a pretty. Yeah, they do a really good job of like showing that. It's very scary. Um, mm-hmm. And the whole, like the whole fact that, it, you know, the final fights in like this, like sinking building is just really like it, it's a very intense finale um it's not a fun time uh but I, I i i really like the ending um only because like i was saying at the beginning of this like it recontextualizes the whole like bond james bond thing um it's supposed to be like this oh my god he said the thing he is james bond but I don't, like every time i watch it there's just this layer of tragedy like you know he's not at least in that point of the story like he, he's not going to let himself be uh broken down again and i don't know i like that aspect and i think what the what they do a really well job at giving us this um this broken trust by vesper is um we haven't talked about her yet but m played by judy dench right she basically you know is letting craig know that like this is the job uh but also at the same time like to not get your hands too dirty where she has to clean all the stuff up uh, that becomes a very interesting focal point in later films. But I think this shows us like the start of their relationship and how strong it's going to get. Uh, and it's just, I mean, I, I definitely, like you said, the ending is really well done. Uh, and <clears throat> when he gets to Mr. Wyatt at the end and he says the shockingly, like, which is probably the best part that's written in it was uh, the name's Bond james bond like they save that for the last line and then yeah. the screen, like that part was just really talk about getting your audience into it oh yeah and especially the fact that they hold out on the score until that scene too mm-hmm. like the score never does the whole james bond theme until that scene yes. and then you know it's yeah it's basically like you're saying the origin story where you, you know you're you're not identifying yourself as james bond until until you know that you have to be him and i think that that is as well because it does a pretty good job of making you think that this guy's gonna sail off into the sunset right right and then pulls the right out from under you yeah all right well all right so next up we have quantum solace this came out in i believe oh eight uh so two years after casino Royale. this is directed by mark forster who looking at his directorial thing world war z stranger than fiction christopher robin monsters ball so he's got a he's got a good filmography there um so Daniel Craig's back. Uh, Olga Korielko is the bad girl. Matthew Almerich plays the bad guy. Judy Dench is back. Jeffrey Wright's back. Um, David Harbour, shockingly, is in this. Uh, I didn't uh, remember that he was in there. Um, so I'm just going to come to the chase here. So this is a divisive Bond movie for most people. Um, some people are on the side of it's not good. Some people are on the side of it's underrated. Where do you fall? Uh, it's basically just a very well done epilogue to Casino Royale. Okay. It, it makes, uh, I know within the time period between the two releases, it could get a little um, edgy and it could throw people off a lot. But I mean, it really just, it's an epilogue. It picks up where the last one ended. 
yeah. uh, which I thought was really neat. That whole action sequence is cool. Yeah. Um, and in, in terms of like the, sto- the story that's playing, it's basically what we were continuing from the previous one with Mr. White. That That is what I like, is that it, the, in terms of the char- character arc, and it's not a standalone like Bond film where it's like, okay, we actually need to start paying attention to who these people are. I like it for that part. Yeah, it requires you, because a lot of the Bond movies beforehand, and I think that's the other thing why I like the Craig, like why Craig's Bond films, I think, are held in a higher regard for me than others is because of, like, the continuing storyline for him. Yes. Um, yeah, I am not big on Quantum of Solace. I don't think it's terrible, but I'm vastly uninterested in a lot that's going on in this movie. Uh, I like the ending of the movie um, a lot. Because it, you know, like you were saying, I agree with you on the, like, to an epilogue to Casino Royale, um, especially the way that Quantum of Solace uh, ends it, I, I, I found uh, rather touching. Um, but I, the thing is, is that this movie was kind of, the production of it was a little troubled, only because this happened during the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can kind of tell, I don't think the movie makes that much sense. Like, it's just not... I don't think the elements in the movie come together as a whole. I, it seems to be the case. Like they have, uh, I would say in terms of action sequences that they're probably longer just because of that. Yeah. Um, I was going to say. The only, yeah. The only scene that I liked that I think is pretty cool is when they go to the, um, what basically like the, the, what am I trying to say here? The symphony? No. Opera? The, yeah. The opera show. Yeah. That was pretty cool where like the basically the people that uh, I have it's um, we could talk about the villain, but how they're all in there with the earpieces yeah. and Bond's basically I, I come in aware of like what's really happening here. And like, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And Bond has like a little line where he gives himself away. And I was like, oh, that's classic. He's uh, like, if, if you guys basically yeah, if um, if all the bad guys are meeting in one place, you're doing like a really bad job at it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like we're saying, where like these Bond films, like the the arc continues with each film. Uh, this one, we get our first like small dose sample size of what Spectre is to become, because we learn that um, the villain Dominic Green and what his what he's running, not in terms of his objective, but he basically runs a AAA affiliate to Spectre. Right. And I think that that part um, is not bad not good but we yeah ourselves, we, we kind of keep ourselves within the that straight line with the story like you're you're talking about earlier right um okay i okay i feel like this movie was made better um was basically remade into a better movie and that movie is mission impossible rogue nation and i'm going to list off the similarities to you right now um we have a uh a lot of the movie uh has like a desert action scene you know um we have an opera scene where the main character figures out all the bad guys are uh, meeting up in one place uh there's a bond girl uh not well you know there's a femme fatale who wants revenge um and uh those are the only similarities i have but i'm just saying uh i feel like room nation might have copied off a little bit more in this movie than uh <laughs> than we will this, not this one's also uh very short it's like an hour and four which is why mm-hmm. i give it that, that does help it yeah, yeah that does help it um, and I also, okay, I also like the scene, the, the, the action scene that I like is the one where uh, Bond's, like, chasing down that guy. Uh, I think he was, like, the, you know, the rogue MI6 agent who was kind of in there or whatever. Um, in the beginning, I, yes. Yeah, yeah, in the beginning. And, like, there's kind of a foot chase, 
and um eventually it, it ends up there's like scaffolding and like this you know almost like arena looking thing i like that scene i think that's, that's i would agree because the way he uh he's swinging and he's trying to re- reach for the gun yeah guys climbing and then when he grabs it and he turns and then we are introduced to the credit like the opening credits i would agree that part is really really cool because the airplane when that's basically crashing like you're just kind of you know what's happening here right and it's just really dragging that scene on yeah yeah i think it's just yeah i i i find that moment um it's a cool action meet um what are your thoughts on the bond girl in this movie uh they're not really romantically related there's a kiss at the end but i i feel like that they kind of just put that in there but uh i think her name's camille what are, what are your thoughts on her uh i mean she's i, I feel like she, like like she has her own agendas and i think it's more so like she's hopping on the bond to get to uh her objective right i, I mean it's because it's interesting when we're first when they first meet like bond is basically acting like he's this other guy that she's taking um, but since she learns that that's not the case because she was the target and right. Bond, like, well, I'm, he's not doing that. But I mean, she does, you know, a decent job. I think we're in the same part with the previous one was like, you expect her to go on and do a lot of work and she really hasn't. Yeah. Um, I know more people are probably familiar with her today because of a film that came out in the summer. Right. I want to address, but I, th- I think you could have expected her to have a, a pretty big career after this too, but she, it's just, you know, w- bond girls they have boxes they check and they they just wanted to kind of cover that she's very pretty i will i'll give that and in terms of the acting part that comes after it i mean i don't know the movie has its its weak ports i wouldn't say she it all hits onto her because they, they also have um Gemma atherton yeah and and that part where she, you know she's covered in oil like she was drowned in oil like that part was intense yeah we obviously don't see it, but like that quick shot of her just on the bed, I was like, that's insane. Yeah, it's pretty haunting. I agree. It, it, in terms of like, yeah, what they do with the Bond girls in this film, it's not the best for sure. Yeah, at least they give Camille like some sort of agency. Like, at least she's not mm-hmm. like head over heels for Bond in a ridiculous way. They kind of leave that to Gemma Arden's character, which is semi amusing. I don't know how well that holds up under a lens, but I, I found it was kind of funny. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of my, like, a lot of my issues kind of lie on, like, I agree as an epilogue to Casino Royale, I think emotionally there's something there, but, like, the villain, uh, Matthew Almerich, who plays, uh, I think the bad guy's name is, like, Green or something, who owns this, like, oil company, I just don't find him all that interesting, like, I think the actor does a fine job, but I don't, like, I, I just don't, care <laughs> about yeah. his plight um there's kind of a brutal he, he has a brutal end um you know he's given the choice of like suicide or trying to get it out of the desert with like oil which is really messed up um i kind of like that moment but it's i don't know the with strawberry um, right it what bond was implied which i mean it's it is pretty dark uh i think like you said yeah for bond films you have to have a pretty strong villain to hold the weight uh, with everything else that's going on um this one it th- there's a reason why many people have this at, at the bottom of their of their bond rankings for craig yeah so yeah i i just i don't know the other thing too and i think we were talking about action i feel like this one was the most like oh we gotta be a jason board movie like there's a lot of really like shaky cam quick yeah. cut action scenes and some of them are you can follow um but some of them like they get a little 
I don't know. There's there's kind of a when you're doing a shaky cam, it's kind of hard to follow like any geography of the action scenes, and some of them I kind of get a little lost. But I don't know. I I'm not big on it, but you know, I thankfully uh, he has better outings to come. Is there anything else? Oh wait, we forgot to talk about the Bond song. Um, another way to die. Uh, Alicia Keys, Jack White. Um, I don't like this song. I'm sorry. Uh, you know who you are, but I don't like this song. It's not good uh can i just go ahead and retweet that do it do it yeah, yeah I, I don't know it just not, doesn't fit it doesn't fit yeah. with the movie and and i in looking at it today um you're kind of like well alicia keys and jack white aren't as big as they once were and so i don't even remember at that time like i know they were still popular and, and held the main but it just i mean yeah it doesn't really doesn't really fit just I and, and i think what hurt and we're, we're getting close to it but what yes. hurts the most is just you have tier one and then everything below it. Yes, <laughs> I agree. And I, I don't know. Most Bond songs kind of have like a, a wavelength that they feel, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, this is a Bond song. Another Way to Die does not feel like a Bond song. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm not vibing with this, but you know, hey, to each their own. Uh, but you can, you know, some people are allowed to be wrong. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get killed. Um, I guess moving on, uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to add about Fun Souls. No, I'm very much ready for the next one. All right. Here we go, baby. Uh, Skyfall, 2012. I feel like this is the most popular Bond film. I feel like when people think of James Bond, like this is kind of their first one they think of. Uh, this was directed by our boy Sam Mendes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Sam Mendes, 1917 American Beauty, uh, Revolutionary Road. Like he's done a lot. Um, and uh, Daniel Craig, Judy Dench. We have Javier Bardem in this one. Ray Fiennes, uh, Naomi Harris. Uh, Elmer Finney shows up for a bit, and Winshaw, a lot of people. Uh, Skyfall, a lot of people consider this the best Bond movie. Are you on that train? Uh, I have first-class tickets on that train. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. All right, explain, explain. It's just, it's, um, I mean, it's beautiful. And I, I think what does this film very well is it works as a Bond film, but then it has other genres within itself that works to be a separate film as well. They're... Yeah. It doesn't really, um, it, it obviously continues the character arc of, of Bond with mm-hmm. previous films, but the way that they approach this one is just done. I mean, obviously you're getting a director like Sam Mendes to the project, which uh, I wish I could remember at the time, like how excited I was for that one, but that is on itself really well done. They get uh, Roger Deakins to do the cinematography. Oh. That is I mean, talk about a flex there. And then I want to say, like I mentioned before, the Bond villain, the villain has to also hold the weight with everything else that's going on. And Javier Bardem, I mean, he comes in and he just like rips the ceiling off and and gives us an entirely new like level of what this film's going to be. It's, I I just, I I think when I was rewatching it a couple weeks ago, it's been a while since I've like, I've had my phone completely away from me and I was just like eyes on the screen the entire time. Yeah. I mean, I mean just, when you from, got Deacons, it's yeah. like impossible to turn it's, off. It's, it's, it's shot so well. It's oh, yeah. acted very well. The supporting characters that they bring in uh, were introduced to Money Penny. We get a new cue. Um, we also get the small introduction with our new M. It's, it's just, it's really well done. And especially how we come about to it with, um, Judy Dench and Javier Bardem and how them two interact with one another and how we get when it's all wrapped up. I mean, it's, this is Daniel Craig's peak in terms of what he can do with Bond. Um, 
it's all around just a fantastic film. I it I wrote it. It's the fourth highest grossing film in 2012. Like for a Bond film, that's I mean that's crazy. When everything these days are just getting made to be superhero films. I mean, right. it, I just I mean the film is is pretty pretty great. Action, yeah. drama, some comedy. You know, it's it's checks all the boxes, dude. It's everything. Absolutely, I think. The, the one thing that I kept, like, thinking about when I was re-watching this is, like, just the scale of this movie. Like, the movie just feels big, you know? Like, I don't... This felt like the first kind of, like, multi-million blockbuster Bond movie. Now, again, I... Like, Casino Royale, a uh, very close place in my heart. But there's not... Aside from, like, the set pieces, there's never, like, this grand scope that the movie has. Like, the story is pretty self-contained. Skyfall, it feels like you know, you're watching, I feel like this was, like, kind of the first, like, event on movie, um, and I think partially is because of Mendes and, like, the, the combo of Mendes and Deacons, um, like, the way this thing looks, it's just, like, gorgeous, um, every, like, location that they go to, like, you're just, like, oh, man, like, I want to go there, um, and especially, like, just the way the, the action's done, uh, you know, it's very clean, um, a lot of like really memorable set pieces, uh, you know, the opening like motorcycle chase, train heist, you know, the, the battle on the building where they're covered in shadow, you know, um, just like all these scenes are just really memorable. And I think it helps that you had uh, just absolute pros uh, at the top of their game. The other reason I think this works so well is because of like the three pronged approach uh, to like Daniel Craig, Judy Dench and Javier Bardem, like the, the main kind of, almost Shakespearean drama between the three is just really, really fascinating. Um, and like this entire movie is basically like a character piece for M who we've never, with the history of M and the Bond franchise, like we've never had, M's only ever been in there for like, maybe I want to say like 10 to 15 minutes, like max. Yeah. She hardly gets screen time. I mean, she was first introduced in Goldeneye with Pierce Bronston. Right. And within those films alone like she really didn't have much screen time and with this one like we mentioned uh with the end of casino royale we're basically given that these two with 007 and m like their relationship is very strong yeah and especially when we get to the point where bond is enjoying death and he sees that mi6 has been bombed like he comes back and he wants he the first thing he does when he gets back is you know he goes to m like they have this you know we we're going to get into it, but that whole mother son kind of plot line with, with how they handle uh, and operate with one another, it's, it's done very well and, yeah. and deservingly for Judy Dench. Cause she was great in this film. Absolutely. Um, before we get into things, uh, let's bring up the Bond song. Uh, this was Adele uh, now. <laughs> at her peak. I feel like this song fucking rules. Um, yeah, this is the tier one I've been talking about. Yeah. Like, I feel like most people can agree this is, like, maybe the best Bond song. Like, I, I, this is in my Spotify playlist routinely. Like, if, as soon as this con comes on, I'm like, oh, man, I'm in. Like, it's, it's definitely, just, yeah. Wor- it's workout playlist. I mean, it fits it, it fits the mold for everything. It's very well done. And, and deserving to win best uh, song at the Oscars, a category that is very weak. It's just, I mean, it, when I, I remember when I first heard it, I'm just like, this is, and even the animation with the opening credits and how yeah. this ties into all of it, it it doesn't get better than that. It really doesn't. Oh yeah, this is one of, and I'll, I'll get into the other example in a bit. But like, this is one of those moments that as soon as, because especially with like how like 
really, I, I, I this movie like kind of picks up running like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, that train fight is just really exciting, and the whole like dilemma of Monty Penny um, having to like she she's got kind of a dirty shot, and uh, like she doesn't really know if she can. Uh, take out the baddie that Bond's got and M like you know gives the order it's like all right you gotta take the shot like this is our only shot and she shoots Bond and he goes in the water and the movie like the the horns just come crashing in and you're just like oh shit like oh man this is this is what it is like it's going down uh, really good feeling there with that it uh it's definitely and unfortunately we haven't really had much Adele since this I know I think that that's why this keeps holding on is because it's it's one of the best we've had. Absolutely. Um, now, I guess I guess we should probably just get into the kind of main. I, I want to talk about the main like emotional relationship of the movie, which is this again, like kind of this uh, three way. Um, not really, but you know the uh, the relationship between M and the villain uh, Silva, uh, who Silva not introduced until like an hour into the movie, and even. Even like despite that, he steals the entire movie. Like Javier Bardem, completely rules. In this when movie. they, I thought it was so neat when they first introduced him. It's just like it's this lawn take where he's at the other end, yeah, and he's talking to Bond and, and the whole speech about the rats. Like that is just, um, I mean, it's goosebumps. It's a it, Javier Bardem coming off, you know, his peak with the Oscar. Like that yeah. is just, I mean cabinet like i'll watch that all the time <laughs> absolutely yeah i mean it helps to have you know like bardem uh for those who don't know like no country for old men career defining performance from him mm-hmm. um and i think i think he was the right call for this uh because like silva he's incredibly threatening but still like he, his motivations are completely understandable like you see what made him the way he is and you understand you understand his motives clearly you understand um you can I relate mean, to him which- right or villain, you like you don't want that, especially even with the Bond film. I mean, he does does a really good job at, at getting all through that. Right. I mean, you know, as far as uh, I, his plan, a little convoluted, but even still, like you you have him grounded in his motivation and his backstory, and I think that really helps him out. Um, yeah, but I mean, the whole the fact, like his backstory, and as he explains in like his cage moment where he was on this mission and didn't he like go rogue on the mission and that's what got him caught? I forget. I believe, yes, I believe that was right. Yeah. Because that's why I had to turn her back on him. Right. So he gets captured and obviously he's hoping that MI6 will save him and she won't because he went off book. Uh, And so he takes this, uh, you know, capside um, pill that he's got, uh, you know, in his tooth and it just, it does not kill him. It just severely deforms him. Uh, And that moment where he takes out like his little like retainer thing holding him together like his look at that's terrifying <laughs> yeah that part right there is i don't remember the line he says but that is chills absolutely um and he says like look upon what you created or something like that i don't remember um but yeah i mean that whole just the dynamic between him and Ab really uh, elevates this um as because i mean again like with most bond movies you don't get like relationships are not what you go in caring about you just want the high-tech layer you want you know on saying and doing cool shit and i think this like what we've been saying about this bond is there's a there's a lot of care on the emotional element of it and i think this movie does that really well and it definitely gives you that whole as we we're talking about before with daniel craig's bond and his relationship with M, and then he's introduced to this guy who's basically 
the one before him and knowing that their relationship was just slightly stronger has has Craig feeling a little differently. Um, we haven't said it, but the part that's really fun is when um, when Silva finally approaches Bond and yes. starts unbutton him, which I've heard was not in the script. Like that was just completely on his own part. And then Bond's like, what makes you think this is my first time? Uh, I mean, talk about a pretty cool, like, well, man, do we really know who this Bond is? Like, that was really neat. Yeah. And Craig, deli- like Craig is just, he's so great at delivering the, the humor that you're not really like, well, wait a minute, what's, what's going on here. Right. And especially in later films, they do a real a good, well job at approaching his, his comedian side. Absolutely. Uh, all this to say, I want uh buy bond um, and I need it in the next movie, please. Uh, that'd be great. Um, yeah. I mean, that moment's just, incredible uh and the fact is is like those two like daniel craig and javier martin like that scene together it's just there's a lot of like tension going on a lot of it's intensity but a lot of it's also just sexual tension and it just leaves you feeling really confused you're like all right i don't know what's going on here but this is great we don't need bond girls anymore right exactly yeah where's the bond the bond bro um (laughs) yeah uh but like you were saying i i like the supporting cast and there's a lot of fun and they do a lot of a lot of this movie feels like they're bringing things to a new status quo. Like, not only is this a send-off for Judy Dench's M character, but a lot of it is kind of like ushering in kind of this new era of Bond, where we have a new M, we have a new Money Penny, we have a new Q, because we haven't really, as far as Craig goes, we haven't had, like, those familiar tropes. Because um, all we've had is, the you know, the Bond, James Bond, we've had his tux, and then we have kind of the shaken, not stirred. There's a reference to it in Casino Royale, which is really funny, where Bond just straight up denies it, um, yeah. which is really fun. But like, this feels like kind of the entryway into kind of this new era of Bond, um, which is really cool. And we also, this is our first uh, time seeing Q, and I was recently listening about how Daniel Craig was wanting him to be in the previous two films, but they didn't, they didn't get it. And the fact that they made him such like very younger with that can relate to a younger audience I thought was really neat. Yeah, Ben Winshaw does a really fun job. You can tell he's like, you can tell that Bond, like, at first is like, oh my gosh, this kid, but he's extremely confident. Um, and, you know, just the lovely, soothing voice of Ben Winshaw, you know, I I, I get Paddington flashbacks. Yeah, I'm like, that's just Paddington, you know? It was, you know, let's get that crossover. Exactly. Yeah, please. Oh my God. Paddington and James Bond. But, like, the entire time, Paddington would just be like, no, Bond, we shouldn't kill people or something like that. But it'd be really wholesome. It'd be great. Um, yeah. So I think, so, okay, here's my thing. I, I, I do really like this movie. For some reason, I can't, there's something to the structure that doesn't entirely jive with me. And I can't, I can't really place my finger on it. So excuse my rambling here for a second. And I don't know if it's going to make sense. I feel like this is kind of three different movies in one. Because on, and you could say like, all right, that fits the 3X structure. And I I, I can agree with that. But I I guess just personally, it doesn't land. Because the first third is kind of Bond's kind of resurrection arc where he gets shot by M and he's kind of like coming back into the fray. And there's a lot on him. Like, you know, are you fit enough to kind of take on this post? And we realize that, M kind of approved of him going back into the field, even though he wasn't physically capable of going back, which is really interesting. And then the second act is kind of this big, like, you know, it's kind of this tech thriller between uh, Bond, M, and Silva. You know, it feels very, like, Dark Knight-y. Um, and and they, they said they were uh, inspired by that a lot. So I guess that makes sense. Um, 
you know, with the whole like, oh, the villain planned to be captured and now, you know, they got to go after him. Um, and then the third act is kind of this Home Alone style uh, finale um, in Scotland, which just looks beautiful. And Alfred, uh, Al- is it Albert? Yeah, Albert Finney comes into the frame. He's a lot of fun. But I, I don't know. I guess personally, the connective tissue just isn't, I, I, it doesn't entirely flow for me. I think there are scenes, like, all the sequences work great on their own, but together, like, it just feels a little weird. And I, I can't really, um, I, I think it's a personal thing. I can't really defend myself from it, so. Well, I think in terms of, um, because that third act could be, I mean, that third act could have taken place anywhere. Yeah. The elements that we had before when they were doing the, which a really neat training montage for Daniel Craig to come back into the game, uh, there's that that line where the one word answers and his responses and whatnot, and he yeah. says I fall and he leaves the room. Um, it's really nice that that plays back later on. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could have just named it Skyfall and then just yeah. had that one line. People would be like, "Oh, is that because that, yeah. that?" I mean, today, like that's become the the Leo meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You're 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 pointing at the screen because like that's the title, right? And that's it's the name really, of the movie. Yeah, and that's really, it's really neat how that comes back to play again, and we're introduced to you know, what we're led to believe was the home that Bond grew up in and it gave us more backstory, just who Bond is in general. And I think that that was a real touching moment. Um, One thing that I know, uh, noticed when I was looking at uh, with the gamekeeper Kincaid that was played by uh, the late Albert Finney, they wanted Sean Connery. I know. How do you feel about that? I mean, we I've heard all this time about the James Bond codename theory stuff and yeah, that really would have been like, wait a minute, what's going on here? I think at this time, though, uh, Sean Carney probably didn't look that well. Yeah. Uh, and Albert Finney is just really, he does really well in the role. It doesn't need to do a munch, but he does a pretty, pretty great job. Yeah. I, I'm fine with it not happening. I, I think I'm okay with it not happening. I feel like it would have been really distracting. And especially in that moment, like you kind of need to care about the stakes that are going on instead mm-hmm. of, hey, look, it's, you know, Sean Connery. Um, it's a cool idea. Bond and that he's Bond now. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That could have been a, a team up of No Way Home proportions, but, you know. Um, also, yeah, with, with that last act, though, too, it, it definitely gives um, Deacon the most of his power as well. Absolutely. At that point, you know, the darkness that comes at the end, but then the lighting of the fire, like they do a really well job at just not making that whole final scene really dark and you can't see anything. Yeah. And so they, they do a pretty cool job. And I just love the confronting at the end with, with Silva going to him and basically like we can do it together. And I'm yeah. just like, well, it, it plays a part. Well, I, I enjoyed the structure of all of it. There are probably, you can probably, there are probably some parts in the beginning where you can kind of, in terms of keeping it a straight line, you can eliminate some stuff. Yeah. Uh, but how they got to it and knowing that, like, Silva wanted to be captured so he can be taken there, like, I think all of it just plays a really good part. Right. Um, and also, and, like, Silva kind of wins, too. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he M dies at the end of this thing. Yeah. So I mean, he, he yeah. succeeds, which is he, cool. And, you, yeah, I was going to say, like, people, like, we love seeing stuff like that where, like, the villain basically, you know, he, he gets what he wants and and I think what we're left with is a bigger understanding of like Craig, because I, I can't remember, but that, that line that M gives the last one, like, you know, I didn't choose wrong. I yeah. believe what she says to bond, which I think is very wholesome in its own part. And it gives <clears throat> Judy Dench to, uh, a very heartfelt exit and for what she's done. Absolutely. Yeah. She's phenomenal in this movie. Um, 
she's very witty she's very like she, but you can see like she's so like stone-faced like on the exterior mm-hmm. but i think it's her eyes like there there's something behind her eyes especially in the interrogation scene with uh silva like you can see that he's digging mm-hmm. uh, like she's digging at her but she's not gonna let him see that i i really like that moment. Um, yeah she's awesome it's like i said i mean it, it does very well in terms of being the best bond film yeah i think it also you can kind of eliminate the like if you don't have that 007 aspect to it and it's just a spy in this world where uh you know gets shot to death runs through the whole thing where he's coming back and then does his bought like a person that his boss betrayed is coming after him like i think that part works really well like i mean that's a really good point yeah it's just it's, it's done pretty neatly uh i don't and like we mentioned before they they, they have the that shakespeare lineage to it all and i think it's it's done very well and the acting is just i mean it, it doesn't get any better than that it really yeah. doesn't i mean Every everyone in this movie has, is fire. yeah and then you're getting one of the best directors in the game in term and also probably the best cinematographer out there it, yeah. it's everything at the peak of what you want for james bond and it's also i believe this was the 50th anniversary yeah so even in terms of the the knowledge and the awareness of like like the awareness and this is um how it got to be so big uh because of all that uh it's just i mean this is very much uh my favorite bond film and and the peak of where we're at and where we go to next uh it's definitely interesting <laughs> i think we should just get into uh inspector <laughs> So Spectre 2015, uh, this was three years after Skyfall. Sam Mendes back in the chair. No Deacons, but they got Hoyte von Hoytema, uh, who did Interstellar, Her, Dunkirk, Tenet, and Astra. So really good cinematographer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, if you can't get Deacons, yeah, like, that's, that's, that's a good choice for them to get. Um, so a lot of the same players behind the scenes are coming back for this one. Uh, same writing crew, um, you know, you got Craig Mendes, uh, even Thomas Newman. That's the other thing we didn't say about Skyfall. Really great score by Thomas Newman yes, yeah. um, in that. So in this one, we've got Daniel Craig, uh, Naomi Harris, Ben Winshaw, Ralph Fiennes Return. Uh, introducing, we have Christoph Waltz, Leo Sedu, Monica Belushi, Dave Bautista, Andrew Scott. This one's a weird one for me. I think there are moments that work, but I think a lot of it is, I feel like a lot of it was trying to capture lightning in a bottle again. I don't think that everyone knew i don't think that they intended to make this movie be as dull as it was but i find this movie like i don't know i i, I just don't find it all that interesting at least, yeah at least with quantum of solace like it's only an hour 40 but with this we're it's almost two hours and 30 minutes and there's not like i there's a couple action sequences in here and there's a couple scenes that i like but i don't know it the end doesn't just doesn't justify the journey at least for me what i uh, had just uh with Skyfall in terms of the multiple genres working uh, that can work on its own and work so well together with this one, when they're trying to do the action and the drama there, there are parts where it just stretches too long. Yeah. I, I enjoy the film in terms of what it means for Craig and his, his character arc because yes. there are points that come uh, from this one and in uh, people that are familiar with the Bond franchise, you know, Spectre is a big criminal, um, network and yes. and so like you seeing them on the screen like not not hiding it in uh in the title and just basically showing what it is i think um people are probably just expecting more from it uh 
yeah, I can understand the hatred behind it. I I don't hate it as much. It's grown sure. on me through watches. Uh, I mean, and I think a lot of that just also comes down to it has those elements of thrill yep. that I feel. I mean, Skyfall had some of it, but I think that the first half of this where it adds that mysterious um, with the new characters, you're like, what's really going on? I think that keeps you on the edge of your seat a little longer, sure. which isn't a bad thing. And then I think the end, um, it has uh, some pretty good action sequences and then obviously a really interesting um, villain. Yeah. Here's the thing. And this is weird. And this might sound contradicting. But I feel like this movie takes the connectivity of Bond a little too far. I'm never a big fan of, oh, I was behind it the whole time, but you never saw me uh, plot beat in any movie. This felt very like Emperor Palpatine in uh, episode nine, where you're just kind of like, okay, what the fuck? Um, but I like, and I also just feel like Christoph Waltz is a bit underutilized in this. And yeah. I love Christoph Waltz. And he, you know, I, 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 a lot of stuff I've seen him in, he's phenomenal in. But I don't know if, like, people know how to utilize his talents. Because obviously, like, Tarantino was the one who kind of put him on the spot with uh, Bastards and Django. And I don't know if anyone has quite figured out, like, what to do with him um, after that. And it just leads to this, like, very strange performance from him. And I don't know, I, I, I don't know whether that was the direction or whether it was the writing or whether it was waltz but he just feels weird in this movie and i don't know like why that is yeah where we mentioned before with quantum of solace being the epilogue to casino royale they definitely bring back some characters inspector like mr and how that plays uh towards what bond's doing throughout this film christoph waltz i mean he he revealing that he's basically like the the puppet to james bond right it's uh it's it works, but some people can find the part where it's just like, it's too much. Like this could have been a standalone Bond film. We've could have had that. Um, yeah. Like I, 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 I see what they're doing. I guess we, I just wish there was a little bit of like, I, I, I wish they knew that they were building the Blofeld instead of, oh, let's just do a Spectre story, you know, and then tie it in. I wish there was a little more like build up to that um, in other movies. And I, I understand like you can't, you, you know, we're not all Kevin Feige. We can't um, you know, connect uh, the dots in earlier movies to this, but it, it, it feels a little like contrived where it's like, all right. And he was behind it the whole time. This is the big bad. I'm like, ah, yeah. yeah. The one, the, the part that I really don't like is Andrew Scott's character as C. Oh my he, God. Jesus. Like, that, yeah. Cause you have M and Q are working through with that one. And I just, that's the only thing that I, I can't really get through. Uh, yeah, he's I, like I, his stuff with M is really boring. Like it slows down the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's led to believe that he's smarter than M, which I mean, you kind of want that in your writing. But then by the time it all plays out, and you see that M is actually just is smarter because of the whole gun situation, it's right. like, well, what were they doing waiting so long for this to be, and you know, to end that part of the story? That that's the only thing I just really didn't like about the film. I thought the the traveling and the location that we get to go with all these places is pretty neat. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And we can, um, the Bond girl, I know, I know people are very, um, in terms of indifferent on, on her with late uh, as Madeline Swan. I think she does. You get to end you're, you're obviously introduced to her in this one. Uh, you get familiar with, with who she is. Um, 
it might be weak writing on some parts, but I think when we get into the next film, it, it pays off. Yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things where, and uh, we'll get into no time to, uh, to die in a second, but I think one of the things that helps is that it makes this movie look better with what they do with Craig yeah. and uh, Leo Sidhu. Um, it makes that relationship a lot more, uh, a lot more just real. Um, I feel like there's kind of a, uh, a stretch that you have to kind of, there, there's a jump that you as an audience member have to take where you're like, all right, this is the woman that Bond will sacrifice everything for. And I don't know if that's entirely felt in this movie. It's definitely felt in the next movie. Um, but I, I think, uh, I, I, I think reactions are a little divided when it comes to her. I think she's fine. She's drop dead gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she does a fine job, but I don't know if the writing is particularly strong with her in this installment. It's much better in uh, the other one. Yeah, she. I think the what you're talking about is like people have to take that jump when it's introduced that you know she's the daughter of Mr. White, and you spent nearly two films of Bond just trying to kill that. It could get a little uh, cloudy in, in people's judgments about what's going on here, but it definitely I think pays off because Craig does a good job at just. Have taken taken that and, and given us more than what you know than just the bite that could have happened with it, especially if it was just a standalone film. And if this was a standalone film, though, it probably would have been even worse. Like yeah. people probably would have actually not liked it as much. Yeah, I it, it's kind of a hard. I, I feel bad for it because it's like, how do you follow up Skyfall? You know, like like you said, the trying to capture lightning twice at the bottom is probably the perfect summary you can give this film. It's because yeah. they wanted so much for it and it didn't get everything uh in return i don't even think i mean the box office return was still very very well done yeah it just you know sometimes sometimes it it happens you know yeah i i i will say um i there's a lot of just really good uh camera work in this one that i like a lot like the movie looks really good um especially like my favorite scene in the entire movie is the opening sequence uh, during the day of the dead parade um, where it's like a one shot and you can just see Sam Mendes, like the back of his mind. You're like, Hey, wait, I can do a whole movie off of this. You know? Yeah. That was, that was pretty neat to get. Cause I think around that time, one shot was such a, like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Yeah. So, uh, Birdman was very recently around that time. Right. And so directors like, well, how can I do it better? And I think, I would say I I do like the beginning, uh, but I would probably say my favorite parts is just when um, once Bond gets with Swan and they're kind of on the run and they're uh, like he's understanding her just to understand more of what Spectre is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that stuff is pretty neat. And I definitely like the end when Bond chooses not to shoot Blowfield. Yes. Yeah. It's a good character beat for him. I like that. Yeah. That's that's why that's why I return to it more often than so. I do like it. Um, I know I saw this in theaters more than I saw Skyfall in theaters. Oh, well, then there you go. So there, there's that. Um, now, uh, I know you're not a fan of uh, Batista, but what do you think of Dave Batista and Spectre? Probably some of the best acting I've seen of getting thrown out of a, a train. He really sold it, didn't he? Um, I like the idea of Dave Bautista as a uh, Bond. Uh, like, uh, you're, you're introduced to, I mean, I felt like he was trying to do Jaws and Odd Jaws, like, all at the same time. And I'm it like, feels like, yeah, it feels like he's a combination of all the fun yeah. uh, 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 henchmen. And playing him mute, I'm like, okay, Sean, you don't need to flex because we can see it. But, like, I just, I don't know. I mean, he he's not, he's not 
the best for me. <laughs> you know, uh, I, 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 he's underutilized. I mean, mostly because he doesn't say a, like he says one word at the end. But like, I don't know. He's much more of a physical prem, prep. A uh, much more of a physical prem. Uh, no, 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 he's much more of a physical presence than uh, you know a character. There's, uh, uh, there's a nice little uh, thing that's been coming out that with the press of no time to die that they were talking about this where Daniel Craig like accidentally like punched his nose a little harder and thought he broke it and and he was like Dave Batiste is gonna kick my ass and so he was it was pretty funny but uh, Dave Batiste took it you know in good character which is always fun to hear uh those set stories like that oh yeah without a doubt um and then I guess the other last the last thing at least I want to touch on uh the Bond song for this yeah. one uh writing on the wall this is a Sam Smith song it won the Oscar I'm not big on it. I think I see what they're going for, but I feel like the song's a little too slow for me to like get behind it. I think it's kind of one of those things where they took one of the strongest artists of that time and was like, we're going to have you do the Bond song. Yeah. I want to, if I remember correctly, like I, I think Daniel Craig was really supportive of this song. Like he really liked it, uh, which you, you definitely want uh you know his his touch on that i know he had a lot to do with the next one but it's it's probably my second favorite though in the craig uh okay. in terms of the and like before we haven't really talked in depth a lot about the the opening credit animation sequences but in terms of like a bond film those are uh like you should watch those uh yeah. those aren't like credits where you just need to like i'm gonna go to the bathroom i'm gonna go to the kitchen like they do a really well job at making those and especially with the songs that they get with the the later craig films and whatnot they, they're just they're done very well and there's not like oh, i'm just not gonna keep my eye on it it's writings on the wall i um it's, it's not bad i mean i i enjoy it probably more than the other ones that's why sure. i would say it's not the worst. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Um, all right. Anything else you want to add about Spectre before we jump into no time? Uh, we waited a long time to get to where we're going. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the gap between Spectre and the most recent one, No Time to Die, is six years. This is the longest time frame we've had between Bond movies. Um, now, partially is due to the pandemic. But the other part is, is like, there was a lot of people didn't really know how to follow up to Spectre. Because Spectre ends with Bond and Madeline uh, kind of just driving off into the sun, you know? Um, and so it's kind of like a where-do-you-go situation. So No Time to Die uh, came out this past weekend, directed by Carrie Joji Fukunaga, um, Daniel Craig, Leah Sidhu, Ralph Fiennes, uh, Ben Winshaw, Naomi Harris return, uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright returns as well. Uh, introducing, we have Remy Malik, Lashana Lynch, uh, Chris, uh, Billy Magnuson, Anna de Armas, um, a few others. But yeah, uh, there was a lot writing on this movie, not only because of the anticipation for it, but also because this is Bond's, this was Daniel Craig's last outing. Um, he did not have, it didn't seem like he had that great of an experience on Spectre. Maybe he was just burned out. Um, mm. But he said, uh, you know, he'd rather slash his wrists than uh, play Bond again, which is. Um, I, that was a yikes moment uh, when I heard that. I was like, oh, man, did not have a good time. But he's back. And uh, as far as the finale, what do you think of No Time to Die? I, uh, in terms of just like we said, how long we had to wait, it's Daniel Craig's last film as Bond. Um, I th got everything I wanted out of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's especially knowing um, we'll 
we'll do a spoiler free part here. Yeah. But I would definitely say like, I was very satisfied with, with what we had, what we got. Um, it definitely cements himself as like, he is, he's the best bond. Yes. I don't even think we can um, look at the box office receipts with this, considering what's going on right now. But I think um, the story does really well um, with what we need. The action is really great uh, characters. I mean, we definitely get a, an introduction with uh, some female characters that we haven't had before. Yes. And I think that that is a, not a weak part at all. And something that is probably going to keep coming for future bond films. Uh, but I definitely was very satisfied with what I got. Yeah. This feels like the first bond movie. And I like, there are, uh, you know, I, again, Casino Royale, love it. Um, but I, I feel like this is the first bond movie where uh, all the female characters like have a bit of agency and they're not just like, you know, sex objects, which is nice. Um, well, they had, they had uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, do some of the, the screenplay, which is a job right. well done for sure. Absolutely. She, yeah. and you, you can tell, uh, I feel like the Ana de Armas character had a lot of uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, antics to her. Um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, I need, I, I want to rewatch it. Uh, but uh, the, the thing that's incredible about this is that this is the longest Bond movie we have at the moment. This is a two-hour, 43-minute movie. Um, and I, it is long, but I didn't really feel the length. I was very, like, invested in everything that was going on. And I feel like even on rewatch, like, just knowing what the what the movie's trying to say as a whole, I imagine it will stay the same with me um, as far as, like, a runtime impact. Like, it flows very well from scene to scene. Which I saw it bad. I saw it Friday night and Saturday so yeah. like does a pretty good job at um you don't feel the runtime and yeah. you're just also enjoying um you're enjoying the rewatch you're enjoying it for the first time through it i like i said i i had every every good moment with it yeah the uh the other thing i'll say um spoiler free is that i think again the thing that we keep coming back to is like the emotional side of these movies uh, mm-hmm. kind of really uh elevates uh, just elevates craig's portrayal as Bond. Um, and I think this movie kind of focuses on that, like kind of before everything else. And I really, I don't know, it just makes you, there's just a lot of stakes to this. Um, not only, you know, end of the world, but also just like on an emotional level, there's a lot of focus on kind of what this will mean for characters instead of what this will mean for the end of the world. And I think they do a really good job of just, I don't know, like I, the entire runtime of the movie i just felt very invested in what was going to happen and part of that is due to this being a finale you don't really know what's going to happen um like how they're going to wrap this up but on the other hand like it's just a very exciting movie um all the action sequences are really well uh choreographed and pulled off um and like you were saying like the story is just really well done and it just keeps building and building and building until the finale where it all comes crashing down um I just think they, they, they had a really good handle on this. And Carrie did a great job just not only grounding it, but giving it in the grounding and also gave it the big blockbuster scale that Skyfall had. We This is pro- like you're saying with, uh, this is probably the Bond film where we get the most human connection out of him. Yes. Where we're not looking at him like he is a superhero. Like I think people can, can relate to decisions that are made. And that's why I probably give this film, you know, a uh, higher rating than, than the others in previous installments. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, I guess the last, uh, the last spoiler free item, uh, the Bond song. 
this was Billie Eilish, No Time to Die. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Bond song here? Very, I mean, I Billie Eilish, I mean, she's fantastic. And another yeah. one that they get, you know, when they're writing hot and they released, that was interesting about this one is they released it in advance. Yeah. This was also before the film got delayed. So I heard it when it first came out, but I did not return to it until I was watching the film. And it does very well with well, what the plot entails. And I, I think that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with it as the previous two, but I, I think she did a very well job. And I know Daniel Craig enjoyed it too, because there've been a lot of behind the scenes footage of them too. And they seem to be getting along very well. And you, you like seeing that. Oh, good for them. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the song. I've heard it a few times uh, just throughout the past year. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. But I always feel like a Bond song, you got to kind of see it in context in order to get a full like scope of what was going on. And as soon as the opening chords struck in, like the same, the, I had the same feeling with Skyfall. I'm like, oh shit, like it's about to go down, um, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed the song. Uh, so now we're going to jump to spoilers um if you don't want to hear about what happened in this movie the time codes will be uh in the description so make sure to check that out um so i guess we're going to get into spoilers now and i think we have to open with the biggest one first unfortunately uh so this no time to die this is the first james bond film to actually kill off james bond by the end shocker i mean talk about trying to to battle your emotions sitting next to your guy friends you know right wow and yeah. they, they do it so like with so much sincereness to it absolutely yeah I, and i was like again i was worried going in i'm like all right how is this going to wrap up is this gonna are we gonna have the same ending as specter where it's bond and madeline running into the sunset is he gonna die is he gonna is everyone else around him gonna die he's just gonna walk off like a lone wolf and i think they do a really good job and again, like looking back on what the movie is as a whole, they set it up right from the beginning. You know, the, we have all the time in the world, a callback to a line from Honor Majesty's Secret Service, um, where Bond's wife, Tracy, like passes away. As soon as they said that, I was like, oh shit, like, I, I, like some, something's about to go down. And I don't know what. And I think they did a really good job kind of giving Daniel Craig the send off that he needs. Um, for this character. Now, obviously, Bond will be back um, with a recast, but as far as, like, capping off the story that they want to tell with Craig's Bond, I think they do a really satisfying job of pulling that off. They, I will say, yeah, in terms of, um, like, we can get into some more of the plot details, but how they set him off, I think, uh, probably couldn't have been done better. I know with the amount of weight that Daniel Craig has on these films, he had to say and like, how it was going to end. Right. And I think, um, well, I mean, we, we now seen it, so we know, but it couldn't have, I, I think it couldn't have been done any better. I mean, if, if it was left where, you know, he's still out there, people have been like, you know, he come back because he could have pulled the Sean Connery leaves for one film and then comes back, move, like that could have happened. But now we also get, um, you, you really get Daniel Craig leaving at the, the height of what Bond is for himself and for the what he's done with the franchise. And then also he can now go into other films, uh, especially the success that Nice Out brought. He's right. able to sequels to that. So it's not the last we're going to see uh, Daniel Craig, which is great. And I'm obviously looking forward to what they do next with with James Bond. Um, this film just, yeah, like we've said, it, it could have ended a lot worse. I mean, there are ways about that. Um, but what we got was very well done. Yeah. Uh, so let's dive into the plot. Um, 
real quick. So in this movie, Bond starts off with Madeline um, in, I believe, Jamaica. Uh, I'm not really sure where. I think it is Jamaica. No, it's not. That's where he's at after the opening scene. I don't know where the opening scene takes place. Regardless, um, this starts off with him and Madeline, uh, you know, living the life, uh, you know, enjoying each other, enjoying uh, peace, quiet. And what I immediately loved from the get-go is they mentioned Vesper, and he goes to Vesper's grave. <laughs> and just to get that closure from that, I thought was really great. And then immediately after you get that, like, the shit hits the fan. And it's <laughs> this insane chase sequence. Um which was just thrilling. Like I, I, all the action in this movie is really, really great. Um, not only as far as like a technical standpoint, but as far as like just an intensity standpoint, like I, I was just thrilled by everything that was going on. Um, and also the, the achievement of like, I mean, this stuff is very landable in, in ways. I yeah. thought they did a, a fantastic job. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, 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 I guess what I want to ask you is what you think of, uh, Rami Malek's villain. Now, what they do in this movie is they kind of they kind of ditch Spectre in a way where it's like, okay, the, people weren't really vibing with it. Let's get this out of the way. And now, like Rami Malek was the one that took all the Spectre agents out. Um, what do you? What, what were your thoughts on it? I th- I think with well, when looking at that, um, once again, you're getting a supporting actor who is at the top of their game. Uh, recently coming from a, an Oscar win himself right. and he like from what I've gathered and just in the small the, the two watches I've had it, like it doesn't seem like his villain Safin like he's coming after Bond he just wanted to get Spectre out of the way so he can uh, complete his objective and by doing that you know he eliminates Spectre who Bond's been trying to go after for a long time so that captures Bond's eye and now these two are basically on a, you know, on a train track to, to hit each other. And what what they do, what he ends up achieving is he um, he has this, these nanobots that affect um, basically people's DNAs, which becomes lethal, especially with the, how big the population is. Um, that part can, for people can be like, you know, it doesn't work. It does work. It's different for everyone in ways. But yeah. he he eliminate Spectre. You got to give him credit where credit is due. Oh yeah. He's that. And then he also gives Bond the chance to like how he wants to live his life. Like he poisons him in the end with the stuff. It gets on his face. And once it's on your skin, like you cannot take it off. Yeah. And they do a really good job at explaining that earlier in the film and how, how he does where, you know, he's handling what seems like soft blow, soft blow, soft blow. I mean, he's still in the ring for 12 rounds. And at the very end, like he still gives a pretty big blow. And I mean, I'm not a fan of the uh, of Rami in general in some films, but like what he was able to achieve in this one in terms of uh, his character motives and whatnot, I, th- I think he did very well. Yeah, I'm not I, I, I think he was fine. Um, I, I as far as like a menace goes, I feel like the the stakes of the movie are a lot more reliant on those nanobots than they are on him. And I think they did a good job of, again, like keeping the stakes high with that, uh, like the nanobot device, um, especially with the fact of you can't get rid of it. It's a permanent thing. Really like made me really nervous for like the finale where I was like, all right, what's going to happen here? Like I, I something's going to go wrong. I can tell. Um, and I, I, I like the fact, I like you were saying, I, I appreciate the fact that he doesn't really, 
have it like bond's not really on his radar at all like he doesn't really have anything to do um with bond bond's only after him because he took the scientists and the cia kind of wants him back to you know look at things um because at that point like halfway through the film like you think specter is behind everything and then all of a sudden like they kill off the member of specter and blofeld dies like they kill off blofeld which is insane. I mean, I was all for it. I was like, oh, sick, this is yeah. awesome. But, like, that's a bold swing um, for this movie to take. And I, I I, guess I just like the stakes more than I like the villain himself. Um, also, the age of the villain I found confusing because <laughs> in the opening scene, he goes after Madeline, who's, like, clearly, yeah. I don't know, 10 to 12. And I think it's supposed to be, like, the actor looks like it's Rami Malek under that mask. Um, and I think we're supposed to assume he's, like, 19 or 20, I guess. Uh but then when the movie ages up, he and Madeline like look the same age. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. But they give that like a couple of strains of gray hair on the side. Yeah, and I'm like, I I don't know what you're going for. You should have gone all gray or something. They, they you know, obviously they give him like that facial um kind of work, but I don't know. I I don't know if I bought that entirely. But I I I think I just like the stakes more than I like the villain. Um and I, 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 all the supporting characters here are really fun. Uh, you know, uh, Leah Seydoux has a lot more to do in this movie. And she handles the emotional elements uh, really well. I like the um, Lashana Lynch's uh, 007 replacement. I think she's very charismatic and her and Bond's uh, rapport is uh, just delightful. Um, and then I love Anna de Armas in this movie. She's only in it for like seven minutes, but it is a uh, exhilarating seven minutes. I love Anna de Armas. She's delightful. It, it, and I know after watching the film, it made it believe that she might have had more to do in it. But I think what her involvement was being in this this Cuba mission, I, I thought that was just it was neat. And and I mean, give her an action franchise. She seems to do pretty well uh, with her stunts. Oh, my God. Yes, please. I I want her and everything. Um, I'm so upset that she's not going to be a Knives Out 2. Uh, I need her to show up for like a second and I'd be happy. But regardless. Um yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this movie flows really well. Um, and I, the other thing I like, too, is that kind of the, the henchman of the movie is basically like Billy Magnuson, who you would never think to be like a physical threat at all. Um, and he's not really like he's kind of treated as this joke, but he's so he uses his comedic elements to be like so obnoxious to the point where you're like, all right, Bond, I want you to kill this guy. Uh, he smiles all the time. I know. Yeah, they really utilized him well. And I was uh, happy he showed up. And I like uh, Je- Jeffrey Wright. We haven't really talked about him a bunch, but he shows up um, in uh, the first two Bond films on this one. And just his rapport with Craig, I find really delightful. Um, he, he kind of mentioned it later on in the film, like that was who he viewed as a brother, which, you know, going back and looking at it, you can kind of definitely see that, that they were really, um, they viewed each other as one another with uh, what they needed when they needed to get it. Absolutely. And his his death too, I feel like also just sets the stakes of what's to come too, where it's like, all right, you know, and this movie like kills people off permanently um, mm-hmm. throughout, which really just sets you up for that ending. I'm like, hey, you know, like, we're taking things really seriously here. Like, this is the final chapter, and I think they do a really good job with that. Um, I guess I'm trying to figure what else to say about it. Like, I just, I, I was just really impressed with how this movie was presented um, on an emotional level, on a filmmaking level. They had the cinematographer, um, Linus Sandgren, who did uh, most of Damien Chazelle's later work, uh, La La Land and First Man. So this movie looks really, really great. Um, it, it has some of the best shots, especially that that last glimpse with Daniel Craig looking up in the sky. I I don't 
I mean, that if we were to do like a top five shots or t- I mean, 10 within the Bond franchise for Craig, that one's definitely up there because they they capture a lot within that one shot. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. Like there's just a lot of I don't know. There's just a lot of really good filmmaking choices, especially for a blockbuster like this that I was um, just really satisfied by. Um, and I, of, uh, sorry, what did you think of Nomi? We haven't, we haven't yeah I, I i i liked her i thought she was fun i thought mm-hmm. the rapport she had with craig um was delightful uh i think the outrage was uh completely ridiculous i knew as soon as they said i'm like all right but she's not going to be like she's not bond she's just the double seven it's just a number and they said that in the movie and i'm like thank you all right good yeah i thought she was fun did you enjoy her or what do you oh, I, definitely i mean she she definitely gave off the uh, in terms of like the flex f- for being a female double O, like really well. Uh, we haven't seen a double O like with Bond since probably Goldeneye. Yeah. Uh, Sean Penn, uh, Ben. But this one, he, I mean, I, I think she is he, but she does um, a well job sharing the screen with Craig. And I think that that is uh, important for a film as uh, what this stands on top of. Absolutely. And I think it's helpful that they have kind of like they don't hate each other. There's a lot of like mutual respect, but a lot of it's just kind of them digging at each other, which is really funny. Um, you know, the whole scene where Bond's reinstated uh, as 007. Or, like there, there's kind of a confusion because both of them enter uh, M's office at one point and there's kind of a confusion as who he's addressing. And I thought all that stuff was really fun. Now, a quick aside. Did you think they were going to make M like a bad guy in this movie? Because they seem to go that route. They almost seem to go that route at one point. It, yeah, it feels like it's it's hinted at it, and and I think that was um, maybe another reason why Bond came out there is because he wanted to know what the because uh, his relationship with Judy Dench's name is a lot different than this one. Yeah, uh, and so I think what he what they were trying to go with this one is um, he created uh, this bioweapon and he didn't like he was holding on to it and kept experimenting on it and it it really backfired and so he. Um, it would have been really interesting because this film, like we said, they've killed off people. They weren't, I mean, they've done things that Bond hasn't done before. Right. Um, we haven't even gotten to uh, Dad Bond, but Dad Bond. It, it would have been interesting if they made him um, more of a villain, but I think how they did with him was pretty well done. Yeah. Let's get into Dad Bond. Uh, that's kind of the, the, the big point that I want to hit because that's the again like we like we're discussing the emotional crux of the movie is bond's relationship with madeline and you know at the at the beginning of the movie he kind of sends her away after this big action sequences because he thought that she kind of sold him out to specter and you can understand where that's coming from because just like with vesper like you know he also broke down his barriers for her and she betrayed him so you can see like why he would have the reaction that he does um and so when she shows up later in the movie it's kind of this big shock that she has this kid and immediately, like, and I wish I had a subtitle machine um, when I saw the movie and it wasn't working. So I didn't really catch it, but I didn't know if that was his kid or not. And I think they said something where, like, she said something to him where she's like, oh, the kid's, you know, uh, she's not yours or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's what we're led to assume. But as the movie goes on, you start to realize you're like, oh, wait, it's dad Bond. Like, Bond's a dad. Um, they highlight the kid's eyes being as sharp blue as Daniel Craig's. Yeah. So even with her not saying it, I mean, it... You can kind of tell, right? Yeah. And even then, like, it adds to the stakes, too, because the child is involved with a lot of, like, the finale, you know? She's kind of the one being held hostage. Um, and it just makes things really nerving, especially with the poison. I thought that 
uh, Safin was going to, like, inject the girl with, like, a Bond poison or something like that. And Bond would, like, hug the girl and the girl would, like, touch him and kill him um, accidentally. I thought that was where it was going to go. Thank God it didn't. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought... I thought the choice to make Bond a dad uh, was a really good one, especially seeing as this is his last ride, the fact that he has, you know, a daughter to kind of carry on uh, the generation, I thought was a good touch. Um, it, it didn't, I know there have been people that have definitely given the backlash to the the romance that they've given Craig in these Bond, last two Bond films. But I mean, I've been on, on board with it the whole yeah. way through. I completely agree. And I think the movie ends in a really satisfying way, too. Um, the whole, like, you know, I'm going to tell you about your father. His name was Bond, James Bond. I'm like, God damn it, that's a really good line. I was like, oh, man, you're killing me here. You can't be mad at it. And then they're driving off in, in the sunset like that. I mean, it, it's full of emotion and human connection. And I think that uh, that's why I probably enjoyed it a lot more than the added nature with, with Bond. Yeah, and it ends the story, and it doesn't give you, like, you know, the end of the credits says, like, a James Bond return thing, but, like, this, it, it does not set up anything for any future stories, like, this is the end of the chapter, and I think they do a really good job just wrapping it up on a high note, and especially Craig, uh, like we were saying, with Craig's Bond career as a whole, like, there's been some ups and downs, and the fact that he's had more good movies than bad ones, I think is a testament to his body. he did a really good job with it. And one, one thing because uh, this film does a pretty good job at uh, taking his overall arc and obviously it, it closes it, but it shows the tragedy that he had. And in the moment of when he's deciding like how to accept his fate, choose his fate and all that, yeah. he, he comes to terms of like, you know, he has been very self-loathing and he now has a chance to where he doesn't have to be like that. And right. he can choose to, to let go. Uh, and he knows what he's given. I noticed on my rewatch, there's a line that Safin says when he's when you're first introduced to Rami Malek and he talks about, you know, I saved a life once and it gave bigger impact uh, to that person. And I think that might have been something you can see as when Craig is doing the same where he's saving, you know, not just the life of the world, but like his family. And I think that that's going to have the bigger impact than if he didn't do that. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. Knowing that this was Craig's last film, and I think you can look at the real winner being uh, from this one being Kerry Joji Funkanaga. Yeah. I, I think he did a fantastic job, and he always seems to be the director that was, like, next in line for stuff. Yeah. Um, I know he was close to doing the, uh, the It reboot remake. Right. And he's been a part of um, the True Detective franchise that I adore. Yeah. So seeing him get this chance on a scale and like we're talking about, like with this blockbuster, I mean, he did a fantastic job and I, I very much look forward to what he does next. And I think a lot of people will, will say the same. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. He rules. Um, and I'm, I'm very, uh, very happy that uh, he was able to flex this hard and give us the finale. We all want. Um, okay. So before we get to uh, our last segment, uh, I want to ask you, as a whole, now that we've seen 25 Bond movies, your top five uh, Bond films. So I'll take a different approach to that question. What I'll do is, because, um, I mean, I have the Craig films very easily in my top five. Okay. Uh, but I, what I'll do is, like, each, Greg, uh, each Bond actor that has portrayed him, I'll just name a, a film that has, in what I view as the best for that one. 
Okay. So with with Craig, I would recommend Skyfall, or yep. that's my overall number one. Um, and then in terms of um, where we're at with Sean Connery, Goldfinger. Yep. Uh, I think that one is his best film. It uh, it's overall just a pretty cool spy mission. Yeah. Uh, Pierce Bronson's Goldeneye. Uh, I I recommend that one. That one I think, um, in terms of what it what it did with uh, the '90s and kind of rejuvenating the franchise, gave us um, kind of where we're we're at it now. Um, Roger Moore, the the spy who loved me. Yeah. Uh, that, that one was my favorite for Roger Moore, um, and I think I I've heard pretty similar uh, opinions on that one. Timothy Dalton, he only has two, yeah. so you can flip a coin on that. I liked, I liked the Living Daylights a little better, uh, mm-hmm. License to Kill. So, we, I would, uh, I would put that one in there. And then, obviously, with On Her Majesty's Service, that was the only one. Right. That yeah. You can't. Yeah. There's not a. Option that. Did. But, but I, I would, I would check out those because you're gonna get one. You'll get a different view of James Bond by different actors and how they portrayed him. And, you know, in terms of the villains and the set pieces and the time that they're made, you'll, you'll get a different glimpse of like how we started and, and where we've come. And I, th- and I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I mean, my top five, uh, I mean, a lot of them, I, I think three out of the five are, you know, the Casino Royale, Skyfall, uh, No Time to Die. But I, I think Goldfinger is delightful camp. Um, it is completely ridiculous but you know as far as a connery bond movie uh, goes it's a lot of fun and then i'm a big honor majesty secret service i feel like that movie's underrated uh got a really tragic ending which almost like may, might be the reason why i like it a lot um but also there's an action set piece on skis and i feel like we need to have a lot more skiing action set pieces um bring it back uh we almost had one in inception and it didn't last that long so i you know, if we learn anything, I want more ski action sequences. Um, but yeah. Uh, so the last segment that I want to get to is now that Craig is gone, obviously they're going to have a new bot. Um, and I think you and I both come up with ideas on who we want to be bond director. Um, that one, like, you know, what, if you had to pitch another mod, uh, what would you go with? Uh, I know there have been, uh, I don't, we didn't mention it before, but Henry Cavale was almost cast as Bond in uh, Casino Royale, but he was too young. Yeah. And now today, like he's done work that, I mean, he's pretty good in that stuff. Uh, If I were to cast James Bond today, um, my, my favorite right now would be Richard Madden. Okay. Uh, Yeah. You know, he's going to become more well-known when internals comes out Mm -hmm. and he's done previous work with Game of Thrones uh, and bodyguard, which I feel kind of shows that level of, of what you could get with bond. That to me is a, is a personal favorite. I don't think, um, there, there could be some wrong ones out there. Uh, I know there are betting odds, but for me personally, I've, I've always backed that one up when I first saw the fan casting of it. Yeah. I think as far as what I want now, here's a question. Do you think Hardy can do bond? Uh, I mean, I think right now, if you're talking about Hardy, he would probably rather make 10 Venom films. Yeah, and I'd be there for all 10 of them. But uh, I don't know. I, I keep thinking of like his role in Inception, where I'm like, he could probably pull it off, but I don't think he will. I think he's too dedicated to Venom. Um, 
I agree with you on Cavill. Uh, not only like Man from Uncle is pretty good. Is a pretty good, uh, you know, uh, sense of what we'd be getting with um, a Cavill Bond, and especially with his physicality in Mission Impossible Fallout, you get a lot of. Um, uh, there's a lot of understanding on where to go. Uh, my pick would be Daniel Kaluuya um, as Bond. I don't know if he'd do it because I feel like he's uh, a lot more focused on um, his projects that he's been picking have all been great. Like I have not seen a bad performance from that man. Um, Queen and Slim, a little iffy at points, but he's still phenomenal in that movie. Uh, but everything else, like Judas the Black Messiah, Get Out, Widows, like he's phenomenal. Uh, he definitely has the build for it. Um, I don't know. I, I, there might be a bit of an out uh, uh, backlash from uh, racist uh, pieces of shit, but you know, I think Daniel Kaluuya would absolutely murder um, a bond role. So I don't know. That's kind I, of what I, I would agree. Yeah, and and it seems like they're on a. They just keep always trying to get uh, in terms of like mainstream like actors that are very well known. And right. when and when Craig was cast, like he he wasn't that well known. So I think who they get today. Um, they, you know, they'll spin around that area. Right. Uh, now, who would you like to see direct the ball? Uh, I say keep it with Carrie, man. I mean, yeah. I think he did, I think he did a, a great job. And I know he wanted to um, reboot it originally when Craig said that he was done. I He wanted to kind of bring his own spin to it. And I think what better way than, you know, giving him the chance to end one and bring one back. Like, I think that would be kind of cool. I agree. That'd be sick. Um. I kind of want, I, I don't think he'll do it, um, but I kind of want Denis Villeneuve to take a Bond movie. Um, I think he'd murder it, and I think it'd be great, and it would be like three hours long, but it'd be awesome. Um, I don't know. I I just feel like the sensibility of that man. I know Nolan, I know Nolan is like a pick for some people, but like Tenet was basically his Bond movie, so I don't need to see uh, Nolan tackle Bond. Man, I don't need it. I, he's got, we've got Tenet. That's his Bond movie. Um, I like that, though. I mean, he... he he can def. I mean, he hasn't. Tell me an L, because like I haven't seen an L. Right. You know? He can do it. Same with Denis. Like they can both do it. Um. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where they take it. Uh. Do you have any opinions on like who should do a Bond song or play a Bond villain or anything like that? Uh. So I've written down a. I have a Bond villain and a Bond girl in mind. Okay. All right. Who do you got? Who do you got? Um. So for Bond villain, I think it'd be really sick to see Oscar Isaac. Oh, I can see that now. Yeah, that'd be sick. I mean, one thing that like when I was kind of like diving deep into the Google research, um, there were like I was seeing some things of like bringing back the old Bond villains like Dr. No, uh, Goldfinger, uh, Jaws even. And I think it'd be really cool to kind of maybe just kind of like an Avengers style team up where like all the Bond villains (laughs) get into one one room would be funny. Uh, And in terms of bond uh bond girl and sticking to the the thing of like who's mainstream right now uh who's probably gonna just keep going up jody Kummer. Uh, yes absolutely free guy who's gonna be in the last duel this weekend i think um she's all she's displayed action uh especially in her tv show killing eve she she could do a lot more things than just standing there looking pretty, you know? Right. And I think from what we've learned with no time to die, that's the next approach with these bond girls going forward. Yes. I agree. Uh, she's the best part of free guy by a mile. Um, she's so charismatic in that movie. Uh, do you, do you, have, do you have one in mind? Uh, not particularly. Unfortunately, I come to this a little unprepared. Um, I, it seems like it's hard. 
a song, a person that could do song, the Bond song? Not really. Like, I, I, I know Radiohead submitted some songs for Spectre, oh, and okay. I think the idea for Radiohead to do a Bond song would be really cool. Um, but I, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm unprepared. Uh, <laughs> I'm you, unprepared. Just, you just want Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, exactly. I just want Daniel Kaluuya. Um, for some reason, I think Kurt Russell would be a really funny bad guy. Uh, I don't know how they would make that work, but now that I've spoken it into existence, I think it'd be funny. Uh, I don't know. I just I just put Kurt Russell and everything. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, maybe like, do you, do you think Hugh Jackman's like too high profile to be a bad guy? I've I've been wa- wanting to see him become another bad guy since he butchered Hook and Pan. Right. Yeah. I feel like he can do it. I feel like Jackman could be a good. And that's the best part is like everyone always sees him as a very winnable guy and someone you root for because he's, you know, he's too Jackman. Right. I I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to be eye on it. I'd watch it. There have been worse. There have been worse. Exactly. Um, And then. I don't know. The first time when I, when I think Bond girl, for some reason I'm thinking Anya Taylor Joy, but I don't know if she's around Daniel Kaluuya's age. So, but as a kick ass Bond uh, co star, maybe. Um, but I don't know. That's kind of my wishful thinking. Uh, but you know, it's what it is. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where they take it. And there's a lot of different routes that they can go down. Um, hopefully, they just have a clear vision on what they want this Bond to be. Um, try I'll something look, new, you know? How long do you? We'll have to wait for it. Three years minimum. Like they, MGM is going to lose money with this movie. Um, yeah, because people, I, I think for the most part, people really enjoyed it. Um, it's gotten a good, it's gotten a decent box office uh, turnout, and it's gotten a pretty good uh, critical response. But I think MGM is going to want to cast on. I'd say, I think by either the end of twenty twenty two or the beginning of twenty twenty three, we'll have figured out who the next spot is going to be. I, I would agree. Yeah, they'll probably just just kind of like drop it in how they do with uh, like the Batman right. uh, casting, but right, they just here you go. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll know by this time next year, hopefully. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different rounds this can go down. Uh, is there anything else you want to add about uh, Bond, James Bond, before we wrap things up? Uh, I mean, if if Daniel Craig's listening, you know, uh, appreciate all the all the hard work you put on that screen, there is, there's, there's no other actor out there who, when I see shirtless, makes me want to work out. True, man. Like, that scene in Casino Royale, holy shit. That guy I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, I look at myself, I'm like, I'm eating a bag of popcorn and this guy looks like this? Are you kidding me? Ugh. He, he, he does a very great job with Bond. It's why I will always go back to his, his films and rewatch those. I think he was sensational. Absolutely. And he knows it. <laughs> oh yeah yeah you you would think he does um yeah incredible uh daniel craig performance as bob um one for the history books i'm excited to see what he does uh i think that'll do it for this episode uh brent thanks for coming on and talking bond i know this episode ran a little long but it's always it's always a pleasure you know you gotta we had we had to hit all you know we had all the time in the world all the time oh god there you go good line um yeah, so that'll do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This uh, podcast is available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, anywhere you get it. We're there. Uh, be sure to leave reviews, iTunes. I haven't looked at it, but, you know, maybe one day I'll we'll, uh, see how the one-star reviews are looking. Um, but thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with the Halloween retrospective finale where we go from HBO to Halloween Kills. So be on the lookout for that. We'll see you guys next week. See you later. Bye.